Good to see you guys. Welcome to Collective YA. If we haven't met yet, my name is Nick, and this is my beautiful wife, Sky. <laughs> She's phenomenal. I told you to say that. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but uh, hey, I just want to welcome you guys. Uh, and can we just give it with the worship team real quick before we get started tonight? Um, also, can we dim the lights a little bit? I can't see anybody. Where are you guys? A little bit? Okay, that's, that's better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, yeah, just I just want to welcome you guys and just thank you so much for coming out tonight. You could have spent your Sunday night doing a whole lot of things, but you chose to be here and amidst community and amidst one another and getting in the word. And I just want to thank you for that. It's huge. And, you know, Sky and I started this ministry back in November, and we just really felt called to create a space and create a place for young adults in Albuquerque to find purpose, meaning, and belonging all set around the gospel. And we just want to open up a time on Sunday nights just to do that and create that space. And so we got something really sweet for you guys tonight. We're really excited to share. Um, we're kind of switching up. If you can tell, we're doing a little bit of like a combo Devo <laughs> thing. We're going to share for a little bit and then interview a friend of, okay, there we go. Hi, how are you guys? <laughs> I was like, I don't even know if there's anyone out there. I know. <laughs> all I see is Sailor. I'm all Lord. Yeah, for it's real. Like Sailor listening to us. Yeah. But uh, if you're kind of new to this space or you haven't been back in a while, we We've been going through a relationship series called For the Love Of. Uh, Sky, what do you think of it so far? What I'm loving it. How about you guys? Are you guys liking it? Okay. No. Not really. They don't really like yeah. it. I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, and I'm really excited about for today. We're talking about um, For the Love of Brokenness. Um, and me and Nick, um, as we're talking about this, we were like, you know, it's hard to come from one perspective of brokenness. You know, brokenness comes in so many different forms. Um, and so we're really excited for us both to be talking about it. Um, but also we're going to be having Michelle Drain coming up here talking about her experience with brokenness and also renewal. And so we're just super excited for it. And also um, before we even open up, we all know that everyone's, um, everyone's experienced brokenness. Um, and we all understand that you guys have a different point of view and a different perspective on brokenness, and we acknowledge that and we admire that. Mm -hmm. um, but this is just me and Nick's perspective and also the word and how people in the Bible were broken. And so me and Nick are really excited, and I'm really honored to be up here tonight just speaking with Nick yeah. tonight. And so, yeah. It's going to be sweet. So if you got a Bible, jump with us to what I say is the craziest book in Scripture, <laughs> Genesis Three, Genesis chapter 3. And like Sky said, we're going to be chatting about what it means to be broken. And we want to give really two lenses of reference of brokenness to understand it a bit deeper. Because when understanding relationships, and all of us could probably contend to this and, and raise our hand to this, but we've all experienced brokenness either relational or in just being a human. But when understanding brokenness, it can get in the way a lot of the times to our relationships, whether it's with friends or whether it's with our parents or whether it's with loved ones or significant others. Brokenness, if we don't understand and interpret it well, can easily become a barricade to loving people well. And so we want to kind of break down tonight two specific ways. This is not an exhaustive list by any means. Like we're not going to give you an encyclopedia of brokenness and how to deal with it. But we want to just give two specific like frames of reference for it and these two things if you're taking notes it's broken people and broken system okay and we're going to first cover broken how our system as humanity as the world is broken and then how his people were broken so we're going to jump to that but if you turned in your bible we're going to be in genesis 3 so if you got the bible it's all good if you don't it's all good it'll be up on the screens for you before we jump in is it cool if i pray for us yeah sweet all right Jesus, thank you so much for tonight, Lord. Thank you so much for each individual here, God. Lord, I pray for um, 
anyone that's just stepped into this place broken, God, anyone who's, who's come into this, this room or this building, Jesus, who's just experiencing difficulty in life right now and just brokenness over scenarios and situations, Jesus, we pray, Lord, that your love and your heart may um, just encounter them tonight, Jesus, that whatever you want to communicate through Sky and I, Lord, let it be truly from you, Lord. Let it not be just what we think or just opinions, Jesus, but your word and what you want to say, Lord. And God, we just come before you in humbleness and submit this tonight to you. And thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right. So in Genesis 3, start with verse 1. Here we go. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say? If you got a pen, underline that phrase. Did God really say? You must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. We're going to stop right there. But for our first lens and perspective tonight, like I mentioned, it's broken system. That as humans, we live in a broken system. And when before reading this and before jumping in, I just want to put it out there. Whatever expectations you have on the scripture, whatever expectations you place on Genesis, whether you're like gap theory or it's literal seven days or like seven billion years, I just want to say to leave your expectations at the door. Expectations of really, truly how God's character is shown through this. Because this isn't a science textbook, it's God's word. And we can use these things to interpret modern day circumstances and scenarios. But the truth of this and the, and the concept of this is to communicate God's character, okay? And so when understanding brokenness, brokenness is all around us like we just talked about. And brokenness, a lot of time, is a big barricade to understanding God and following him, and specifically within the realm of Christianity. And there's always this question of, how can a good God allow, fill in the blank, right? Allow me to be abused at home. Allow people in my life to backstab me. Allow my parents to get split up. Allow these certain scenarios. And you can fill in the blank, and we could all probably list out scenarios and situations we faced. But brokenness and pain is one of the greatest barricades and when understanding this, I wanted to kind of get a perspective of somebody who's experienced this on a really significant scale. And this guy named um, Ellie Weasel, you guys have probably read his book in high school at some point. Um, he wrote this book titled Night, and he was actually a survivor of the Auschwitz death camp. And he wanted to write this narrative and, this, and document his whole experience and share on this atrocity to understand deeper brokenness in humanity. And so uh, he passed away in actually July 2016, but... NPR did a really cool segment with him, and they interviewed him, and I just thought one of his answers to one of the questions they asked was really intriguing in his approach to brokenness, understanding brokenness, but it says this. This is what the interview is asking him. He says this. You once described Auschwitz as the defeat of the intellect that wants to find meeting with a capital M in history. Do you feel that nevertheless you've been really spending your life trying to find some meaning of the Holocaust, some larger meaning that could tell us about a man or tell us about God? And this is how he responds. Terry, all the questions I had remain open. I really don't believe that I found any answer to any one of the questions I had. I don't know the meaning. I don't know why it happened. I don't know how it happened. I still don't know anything, really. And in his response, I think it's just so human and realistic 
of the perspective so many of us share if we were to be honest about brokenness. If I were to sit down with any one of you and ask you about maybe in time in your life where you face broken scenarios or broken situations, you would probably say, I don't know, Nick. I don't really know why that happened. And so tonight, what we desire to communicate is not by any means a three-step solution or a two-step solution for you to figure out why things have happened in your life or why things have gone on but to more so understand this bigger structure and this bigger system at play. And so, like I said, if you're taking notes, write down that thing, um, broken system. And if we go back to the word and we go back to what was communicated in the Garden of Eden, we see this phrase. See, what's happening here is this is the origin of humanity in the sense of how we got to where we are now. And this story is depicting this choice we have as humans called free will this choice that we've been given by God because we get to choose to love him, that God, when designing us, and this is the beauty of the story of Genesis. If you have time, I'd encourage you to go back and read a few chapters before. The whole purpose of this is the Genesis account is so cool because up to this point in history, every creation story is like brutal. Every creation story is like humanity is just the slaves of the gods. We're just stomped down and the gods just create us for fun and they don't enjoy us. But with God of the Hebrew people, with God and Jesus, the reason of Genesis is to create us, and he says, let us make mankind in our image. And it's this story and this depiction that the creation of humanity is this partnership with God. The creation of humanity isn't necessarily that we just, God made us just for fun, just to be his playthings, but more so to be in partnership, to be co-workers with God and to work alongside God. And to, he created us for the same reason artists paint, right? And so this is kind of the narrative that's going on. And we see in our story that this woman is being tempted from what we understand to be Satan. And what we need to understand from this narrative is what Satan is saying to her in, I think, verse 1 or verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit. Oh, no, no. Verse 1, he says, did God really say? Did God really say? And I think this is so prevalent to an understanding the enemy, to understanding Satan in uh, Christian theology of understanding Satan still uses this tactic on us today when facing brokenness, when facing choices. He asks us, does God really say? Does, does God really say that you can, you don't, you, you, you don't need to wait to have sex till you're married. Did God really say, it's, it's cool to smoke weed, you're totally fine. Did God really say, you fill in the blank? And this thing happens where Satan questions God's authority. This thing happens where brokenness permeates in our society from this force. And what we need to understand from this scenario is like I mentioned, there's the free will aspect. And in this free will, we are given the choice to choose God because Love can't be forced. I hate to break it to you. You can't force someone to love you. That's illegal, okay? So what we're given as humans is this identity to choose God. And in choices, we get to make good or bad ones. And where Eve messes up in this scenario, in this depiction, if you don't get anything else, get this, that what messes up is choosing what is best for me over what God tells me is best, is choosing what God desires for my life, or choosing what I think is better. And this is where Satan can creep in and repeat that phrase, did God really say? Did God really say he has your best interest in mind? Did God really say he'll give you everything you need? Are you sure? You're kind of late on rent. Are you sure God's giving you what you need? And these lies creep into our head. And so to understand why brokenness occurs, we need to understand that we are in a broken system that due to free will, that due to choice, we have permeated within our culture, within our societies, within our world and our context, the choice to do right or to do wrong. 
And that is the first original sin as depicted in the Genesis account, that the first original sin isn't lust, it's not idolatry, it's truly pride. It's saying, I know what's best. I know what's best. And hasn't that just resonated throughout all humanity? That the terrible decisions that have occurred, probably in our lives, probably in the lives of millions and billions of other people, has been on the benefit and the behalf of other people saying, no, I know what's best, right? And I even think of this story of Ellie Weasel, of him just encountering such brutality, such terror in Auschwitz death camp. I wonder how many individuals think, no, this is what I decide. No, this is what is best. And it's at the terror and brutalizing of other people. But in their perspective, it's their choice. And in their perspective, they're doing what they thought was right. And so often, this is the case for humanity, that we struggle with this understanding of this concept because we're in this system where we have a choice, and sometimes we always choose the right choice. But I just want to end this segment, end this point with this, and we'll transition to the next point. We're just analyzing our lives, analyzing our perspective, and analyzing our system from the perspective of when, what areas am I questioning God? In what areas am I, is, is God telling me something, right? It can even be a little thing, maybe to go pray for somebody during service, maybe to give somebody, so like five bucks when you're pulling over on the side of the road, you see somebody on the side of the road with a sign. Maybe it's to do something that you usually want to do, but you feel like you need to be doing it. How many times do we let that lie creep into our head? Did God really say I need to be generous? I don't know. And I just want to leave you with that. When understanding brokenness, when understanding scenarios of our system, of this idea that we have been given the power to choose and if we're going to choose God. Yeah. I like looking at you from up here. <laughs> Normally down there, so I'm all, ooh. Um, so good. So good. So our next point is going to be this, broken people, broken people. Um, and when Nick had invited me to come up here, he's like, I just feel like you talk a lot. Like when he was like, when we, he was like, I'm going to be te- teaching on brokenness. I'm all, oh my gosh, this is what you could teach on. This is what you could teach on. Um, and it's not that I love broken people. I'm not going to say that because I was like, I love broken people. I don't. But I love what God can do with broken people. And so we're actually going to still be in Genesis. And we're going to actually be jumping, starting off where Nick ended. We're going to be in now verse 5. Um, Genesis 3, verse 5. And it says this. God knows that your eyes, no wait, sorry, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were open. And they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And um, as I'm reading this, as we're talking about broken people, broken people, um, the first thing I do always is, what is it, what does broken mean? Like when we look at, when I Google, what does broken mean? I, so I Googled it right away. And I think this is how our world and how sometimes us believers view broken people. It says this, having been fractured or damaged and no longer one piece or in working order. And as I'm reading, you know, as we're reading this, as me and Nick are talking about broken people, I'm looking in the Bible and I'm seeing constantly broken 
people. I'm seeing David, who's broken over his lust. I'm seeing Elijah, who's broken over his fear and anxiety and depression. I'm seeing Peter, who's broken over his doubts. And in here today, there are some people in here who are just broken. Maybe that list defines you, and you're thinking, I'm just in pieces, and I, I no lo- longer work. I'm out of order. And tonight, the whole purpose of tonight is to talk about relationships. But what I find is sometimes we disclude ourselves, and we feel so much shame like Eve did. We feel so much shame, so much guilt of our nakedness. Sin exposes us in a bad way. It, 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 it puts us in a horrible light, unlike we're supposed to be looking like Jesus, where sin just makes us feel naked and ashamed and guilt. And tonight, you know, as I was praying and as we were praying over this, I just really believe that some of us were walking into relationships wondering why we feel so much shame, wondering why we feel so much guilt. And it's like, no, that was in the past. I did this in the past. But it's like, I feel so much shame. I feel so much brokenness. I feel so much like Adam and Eve in the garden. But I believe it's because not only has our culture and our world made us believe that we are broken and out of order, but also our, our view on brokenness has been so distorted because what we're not realizing is that Adam and Eve, they felt guilt and shame. And that's what sin does. But that Jesus, yeah. when he was broken for us, how he was broken for us, that we found healing, yeah. that we found that our guilt and shame, it wasn't just covered up, that it was wiped away. And so tonight, what I really want is when we're talking about broken people, a lot of us, what we do is I go, hey, Nick, I need you to fix me. Hey, say, you're my friend. I need you to fix my brokenness. And yes, they're supposed to be here to walk through my brokenness, supposed to help me find healing. But a lot of us are going to relationships to fix our brokenness. We're going, not even in a dating relationship. Some of you are going to a friendship to, to, oh, fix me, fix me. Some of you are going to your family, fix me. That's what I would do. Family, fix me, fix me. They were never meant to carry that. And you're wondering, there's guilt and there's shame and there's, because they were never meant to fix you. We were not meant, some of you are in a relationship right now and you're like, I'm just going to fix this human. I'm just going to fix them. We were never meant to fix them. That's Jesus's job. And so tonight, what I want to talk about is broken people, but how we're here to help them and point them to the one who to fix them, but we're not fixing them. I'm not up here fixing you guys. Even though I want to, I can't. And so tonight, I want to jump to Isaiah 53. And I think this just um, describes how Jesus has fixed us. And not even fixed us, how he's healed us. How he's put our broken pieces back together. And some of you in here tonight, you just need to be reminded that Jesus is in the business of healing. That Jesus is in the business of putting us back together and that we're not damaged goods, that we're his children. And I just think tonight as we talk about brokenness, as we talk to Michelle Drain, as Nick just talked about how all this came about, I think we just need to come back to now. What are you broken in? And what do you need to give back to Jesus? Because my brokenness isn't mine anymore. It's the Lord's. And so I'm just going to read all of Isaiah 53. And I just want you guys to soak this in and just see how the lamb was broken for us. But he healed all of our sins. He forgave all of our sins so that we as collective don't have to walk in guilt and shame and nakedness. Y'all, y'all are covered. The fig leaves don't cover you. Jesus covers you. And so let's jump into Isaiah 53 and it says this. 
Who has believed our message? To whom the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant, and he's talking about Jesus. um, My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in the dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest griefs. We turned our backs on him, and he looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our, our sins. He was beaten so he could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of all of us. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep, his silence before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. Yet this, wait, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong. He had never deceived anyone. He was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But it was what the Lord's good plan to, to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a life long life and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that he has accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will come, will be, make it possible for many to be counted righteous for he will bear all their sins. He will give him the honor of victor, victorious soldiers because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore his sins of many and interceded for rebels. And as we read this, you know, that was literally before Jesus had even died. But what I love is this, is Jesus was mistreated so that we didn't have to be. Jesus was broken so that we could find healing. And tonight, as we're talking about broken people, as we're talking about all of that, I want us to realize that it's not just about us, that Jesus, this is about others. Jesus died for us all and that all of us are broken in here. But that at the same time, just as I am broken and Nick's broken, that we can be there for you guys. And you guys can be there for others. And that there are many in New Mexico, there are many broken people in New Mexico that we can be there for. And not only be there for, but we can point them to Jesus. And last night for Spectrum, the whole point, it's our youth group. They talked about revival. And we're telling these youth about revival. But what I realized is you young adults also hold revival. But it's through our brokenness that when we give it to the Lord that he brings revival. And so tonight, some of you are dealing with some brokenness that is serious. Some of you, it might be afflicted by your sins. Some of you, it might be afflicted by someone else's sin. But tonight, I really do believe this, is that as we worship, as we come before the Lord, that we need to give it to the Lord so that the Lord can bring revival to New Mexico, so that the Lord can bring revival to collective. 
Because our brokenness isn't useless. Our brokenness can be offered to the Lord, and it can be made new, and it can be made whole, and it can be made beautiful. And so tonight, whatever you're going through, and we don't want to be like, oh my gosh, it's all doom and gloom, and you're, all of you are broken. You might be like, my life's good. If your life's good still, they're still broken people, yeah. and brokenness is still going to happen. Yeah. But we need to be there for them. And yeah. so that is what I have to say on broken people. So good. Can we give it for my wife? <laughs> Just preaching up here. So good. So yeah, we just want to share something really quick. Just a little bit of a perspective. Those yeah. two things, broken system, broken people. Um, because a lot of time we can just look at life and be like, man, this is just messed up. What is going on? And so, you know, we then want to now do an interview with one of our really good friends. Uh, we were just chatting with her before service. And I was telling her, like, she's like my older sister in Christ, man. Like, she is somebody who, um, when I see her, when Sky and I say hi to her every time, I think we always run into you in Sopo at Calvary Osuna. But it's just like the light of Jesus is just shining through her and shining through her life. And uh, she is such a prime example of somebody who just radiates um, who God is and Jesus' character. And when thinking about brokenness, when thinking about Jesus using us, she's just somebody that came to mind, and yeah. she's such a powerhouse. So will you help me welcome Michelle Drain yeah. to the stage? Yeah. And we're getting more. Yeah, can we get up for Eli for providing <laughs> the stools? <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> right on. Oh, and more water. Praise God. <laughs> Wonderful. There's your seat. Do you have enough space? Are you good? Okay. So, Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell yeah. us, you know, your full name, maybe where you're from, favorite things you like to do, how many animals you got. Okay. Um, my name is Michelle Drain. Um, I have been attending Calvary since my sophomore year in high school, so that was a long time ago. Um, and saved at 12 years old. So my story kind of, you'll see what God did. <laughs> um, being saved at uh, 12 and then walking away and then coming back. So um, I have two fur babies and that's it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's the extent of my family, my immediate family, so. What kind of fur babies? That's the real question. Yeah. Kitties. <laughs> Amen. Yes. My kind of lady. And there's, <laughs> there's a story behind that, too. So, yeah. <laughs> so. so you're from here, Albuquerque. Yes, I'm from here. I actually lost Lunas. And then... Any lost Lunas? Any moon people up in here? Yeah. yeah. Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> tigers. <laughs> I was a cheerleader. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, kind of came back to me real quick. So. Right on. <laughs> yeah. That's so sweet. And so, yeah, me and Sky were just chatting, and we were talking before service and we just wanted to chat with you about your story and just kind of you know share a little bit about you being saved at 12 but just all that the Lord has brought you through and just what you've experienced and you know so could you just kind of walk us through what your story is and what your process was to finding Jesus absolutely um so like I said saved at 12 started attending Calvary like my sophomore year in high school my ex-boyfriend brought me to Calvary fell in love with it and have been attending ever since um I kind of fell away I was still kind of coming to church, I'd sit in the back, I took notes, but then I would leave, go home, get ready, go party. I was trying to justify my life, um, my partying by the fact that I went to church Saturday night, so if I didn't go Sunday, it's fine, because I already went. So my mind frame was not yeah. on the right path. Um, at the age of 22, I ended up having an abortion 
and that kind of where it starts. Um, I ended up, um, had an abortion at 22, then kind of stuffed it, hit it, didn't want to talk about it. 14 years, nothing. So a lot of stuff was building up, you know, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame. And so in this time, I'm like stuffing it, stuffing it, stuffing it. And um, a lot of stuff that you guys were talking about, it said, you said, um, I thought I knew what was right in my own eyes. So that was what was right in my own eyes at that time. Not thinking I had nobody in the church to speak into my life to tell me, no, don't do it. Don't make this decision or educate yourself. And I think that's highly important. to talk to somebody, to um, share that. But we tend to stuff it, and I just made that decision on my own. Um, And not going to anybody in the church to say, hey, this is what I'm going through. And I regret not doing that, you know, now. Um, So years later, um, finally moved to Arizona for five years, and in that time frame, um, I fell away my first few years that I was there. And then finally, the Lord was calling me back. And so at the age of 32, um, the Lord said, get back to church. <laughs> so I um, rededicated my life, and then the rest is history. So I um, had been back in, in New Mexico for about three years before he said, hey, we have something to deal with. I said, no, we've already been there. <laughs> we've already... Ask for forgiveness. We've already repented. What do you, why do you want me to revisit this? And he said, you haven't grieved your child's death. And that was the hardest thing because, you know, losing somebody. I didn't have a right. I thought the enemy convinced me that I didn't have a right to grieve my child's death. So I said, "Um, no, Lord, (laughs) we're good. So he um, ended up um, starting to uplift those roots, and it was good. And so I took um, life course class. Um, it was called um, life or life after. No, it's called life after abortion. Now it's uh, broken from silence. So somebody told me about it and said, "We have a post-abortive ministry at Calvary," and I said, "Oh, okay." So I went, and I'm not kidding you in that, those 10 weeks, he started to do something in me. And then halfway through, my heart began to have a heart for women that were post-abortive. So um, I then finished my healing, allowed God to do what he needed to do in my life. And then he said, now go lead the class. Like, okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I am now leading the post abortive ministry at Calvary. Wow. So um, just the fact that uprooting, allowing me to heal. So this wound yeah. um, that needed to be opened up again, cleaned out, yeah. sewed back up, and now it's healed yeah. the right way. Yeah. So praise the Lord on that. Um, praise God. So That's give amazing. him the so praise. Love that. And thank you so much for being vulnerable. Your vulnerability Mm -hmm. here is appreciated. Um, But what um, if someone could have done or 
if someone did do something to help you heal, um, mm. what, what was something to help you heal through that brokenness that something, yeah. someone did or that you wish someone did to help you heal through that brokenness? Yeah. The church. Yeah. That's all I have to say. It was the church. The enemy had convinced me that don't tell anybody in the church because they will stone you with words and looks. So for the longest time, I'm like, I can't tell nobody. You know, I can tell my secular friends, but I can't tell anybody in the church because they're going to condemn me. I'm living in guilt and shame. So he had me so convinced. And as soon as I chose to tell a friend and then another friend, another friend, I started to feel this sense of freedom. And the church just came around me and what... I was told the lie. Then all of a sudden the church came around me and loved on me so much from Pastor Skip to friends that I sat with at church. So, I mean, a wide spectrum of people just loved on me, loved me through my healing. Whether I was, they were holding my hand during worship while I'm bawling my eyes out, or if it was just time to sit with me while I cried or just needed to talk, they were there. So... Yeah. That's phenomenal. I yeah. love hearing about people just coming alongside you. And Matt Grego's sitting right here, and he always brings up this example of linking arms with one another, that when one of us is sinking or one of us is, yeah. it feels like we're failing, we're falling, that we have one another to bring us back up. And just even physically, your friends coming alongside you even during worship and holding your hand is such a perfect example of that. And I think that's something that's so beautiful and phenomenal. Yeah. And so um, kind of in closing, what would you say, you know, what words of advice or encouragement would you give to you know, anyone going through something similar to what you've been through here tonight? Seek the Lord, first of all. Um, listen to his voice. Don't be disobedient when he tells you, go here, do this. Because I can't imagine if I didn't listen or pay attention to what he did or what he was telling me to do, that I wouldn't be where I am now. He has me in such amazing positions from leading the poster board of ministry to being on the board at CareNet Pregnancy Center or um, on the decision team to be available because even there I'm available to women and then also a biblical counselor. So in a wide range, I wouldn't have been able to do all those things if I would have been disobedient, you know? And so um, also speak on it. Don't allow the enemy to tell you not to tell anybody because he's good at that. He's good at telling you to stuff it because then you live in guilt and shame. And as long as you're there, you got, I mean, you can be used, but to be used freely and like the way God can use it. I mean, I'm seen as firsthand. And then the beautiful thing is that I get to watch. I get to bring, I, I feel the Lord gave me this picture of him and these women that are in this ministry that this supposed to be when they come, they're so broken. And I feel like I'm linking their arms to like putting hands together, their hand in his hand. And then I get to stood back and watch the healing yeah. happen. Wow. It's such a beautiful thing. So I wouldn't have been able to see that. So I encourage you that if you are dealing with something and you are living in guilt and shame, mm. tell somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You know, find me, find your leaders, find somebody in the church, pastor, leadership, and speak on it. Because, again, he can't hold you in guilt and shame if you don't allow him to. Yeah. Wow. So, amazing. Yeah. So, so good. Sweet. So, um, but my other, I have to share this because he kind of gave me an epiphany. So, and this is part of it. Yeah. 
So last night, I woke up in the middle of the night in pain. I'm grabbing my forehead, and I'm like, what the heck? So I go like this, and my, one of my cats decided to use my forehead as a springboard. Oh. And so I have this big gash, and I look, and I'm like, of course, the day that I have to be on stage yep, to speak. Yep, yep. So I'm like, how am I going to hide this wound? And so I'm all day long, I'm trying to figure out, how do you hide this? Do I go and cut bangs? Do I have bangs cut? What do I do? And Get then I'm like, just right, right, just for this. I got bangs now. Like, where I had or whatever. And I'm like trying to figure out, and I'm like, well, I'm not that vain, so I'm not, of course, going to call in counsel, whatever. So I'm getting ready, and I said, Lord, I don't know if I want to wear my hair like that. And so I'm having this conversation with him because I'm in prayer for you guys in this night and everything. And then I, he says, no, show it. That's your wound. Wow. Be vulnerable. You don't hide your wound. Wow. That's part of you. Yeah. And I wow. was like, what? So, I mean, so yeah. that's just a lesson is yeah. show your wounds. Yeah. Don't hide with, like, in, this is your family. Yeah. You know, you're here every week with each other. Don't hide yeah. with, you know, talk to somebody. You have, I see little groups. You guys have crews build those and share and trust each other and love on each other and that's how you can get those things out yeah so good well we're gonna have the band come back on stage we're gonna jump back into worship but before we do is it cool if i just pray for michelle is it cool if i pray over you let's do it lord i um i just thank you for my sister in christ god i thank you so much for who she is jesus thank you so much just for how you've used her story lord Thank you so much for just redeeming the years the locusts have eaten, as you say in your word, Lord. God, we, we lift up Michelle as she is embarking in this uh, current journey of just opening up, about sharing about her story, about leading other women to you, Jesus. That, Lord, you may just empower her. Yeah. That, Jesus, any, any lies, any condemnation, Satan speaking over her, that those things may just be cast out, God. That every time she's met with those things, Jesus, that she is met with your word, that she is met with your truth. So we thank you for her. We thank you for what you're doing in her life. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah. All right, y'all. Well, and if you guys want to talk more to Michelle or if you're just going through brokenness and you want to talk to Michelle, Michelle, you're going to be, and correct me if I'm wrong, you're going to be in the table in the back at the yes. CareNet table. We have a CareNet table here. Um, if you or your friends may be going through something, an abortion, or you've had friends talk about one, we have resources in the back that you can just take. Um, and like, so you know how to talk to somebody and share, because I just highly encourage that, A, you educate yourself, and I, you know um, God values life yeah. from the beginning at conception. And so I will boldly say that, that we know what the Lord says. And so we will stand on firm on that. Karenet is a faith-based, so it's scriptural. We do, um, we'll pray with you, we'll uh, talk to you, and anything you guys may need. So 